Good morning, good morning. It's great to see you, buddy. I'd like to welcome you to Gateway Baptist Church. And for those watching us at home, we welcome you as well. I know many, many, as you can see, are out sick uh, for various reasons. Some it's COVID-related, um, many are not. But for those of you that are at home because you're ill, just know that we're praying for you. We miss you. And we will be lifting you up in prayer even today. Due to the fact that many are sick and out, we have a few changes for today, just to make you aware of. Uh, there will be no kids worship uh, today after during the sermon. So sadly, those first through fourth grade uh, can just be with us in here this morning. Um, we'll get back in the groove next week. Um, but we just have too many volunteers and different ones out sick today. So no kids worship <clears throat> today. Also, this is the day, uh, 4 p.m. We normally have our Sunday prayer time this afternoon. That has been canceled as well. Um, so there'll be no Sunday afternoon prayer time this afternoon. And just as a reminder, our Wednesday nights, uh, Kids Club, uh, the Men and Women's Bible Study, all those things have been uh, delayed until September 8th, um, just till we get through this season with volunteers getting healthy again. So uh, we will kick back into those Wednesday night programs September 8th. However, the youth are still meeting. They're, getting, they're healthy. We're good. So the youth group is continuing to meet on Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock. A uh, couple of announcements, one for men, one for ladies. Uh, a couple of these events are out in the uh, next few weeks, but just wanted to make you aware so you can plan accordingly. Uh, for the men, Saturday, September 11th, there will be a men's day hike up at the John Scott Forever Wild Trail at Lake Martin. It's about a four and a half mile hike. Um, they're gonna meet here at Gateway at 1230 and be back around dinner time. Uh, details and registration are on the blog on the website at gatewaybaptist.com. And for the ladies, um, in October, October 8th through the 10th, there's a ladies retreat, uh, Friday to Sunday. Uh, it's a simulcast of Revive 21 with Lance, Nancy Lee DeMoss. So the registration is required. There's a deposit of $50, and it's due by August 31st. So again, you can get on the blog. All those details are there, um, and Missy Cruz is helping uh, head that up. So that's October 8th through the 10th. And a very special thing next Sunday, we're having a guest speaker. We always say Lord willing <laughs> with the sicknesses and things going on. Uh, but this gentleman's name is Ryan Thomas. Um, he's good friends. He and his wife and kids are friends with Shin and Alicia Young. They were here a few weeks ago. Uh, but he was an IMB missionary to China. And over the past year, during this time frame, he was arrested and kicked out of China. I don't know if you guys know this, but many missionaries in China right now are being arrested, in a sense, to get them out. And so uh, there's been a huge exodus uh, in the country of China for missionaries. However, the Lord has opened a door for him, to he and his family, to head back into the region I'll say it that way, won't say what country, um, but to head back into the region to help train house church pastors. So we have the great opportunity to have him come and share about a global missions perspective from a biblical view. He's going to be teaching our youth next Sunday at 9 a.m. and college students. I always look this way because some are over here. So college students and teenagers next uh, Sunday morning at 9 o'clock over in the youth room. He's going to be sharing um, about apologetics and how to share your faith with atheists and cross-culturally, especially to those uh, that he was around in China. So he's going to do that at 9 o'clock. And then we have the privilege of hearing him speak at 1030. He'll be bringing the sermon next week. And then at 4 o'clock, all these things are on the, the website as well. At 4 o'clock, there'll be a time here for coffee and conversation with he and his wife for a Q&A, for some dialogue about their ministry, things that they've done, how the Lord has used them on the mission field. 
and that'll be here at four. And all of this is, again, on the website. And lastly, we get to um, have a wonderful time today at the end of the service by partaking in communion together. If you look in front of you, uh, the little cups with the wafers are there in front of your seat. And for those of you at home, you can go ahead and prepare by getting your elements uh, now to get ready for the end of the service. So that is it. But we're so glad that you're all here. And uh, we get to enjoy a time of worship and prayer and getting to come before the Lord and receive his word this morning. Amen. If you all please stand. I want to just prepare our hearts with the reading of the word. Psalms chapter 24. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Let's worship our King this morning. Jesus is nothing impossible. 
can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadow. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. No mighty fortress. You go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadow. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. No mighty fortress. You go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadow. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power. Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no former majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. 
while like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, he, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was put, he has put him to grief. Then his soul makes an offering for guilt. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring and he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressor, transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Sing this song. What love could remember the wrongs we have done. What love could remember no wrongs we have done? Omniscient, all-knowing, he counts not their sum. Thrown into a sea without bottom or shore. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more Stronger than darkness You ever more Our sins they are many His mercy is So tender is calling us home. He welcomes the weakest, the vilest of poor. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. Sins they are many, His mercy is more. What riches of kindness He lavished on us! His blood was a payment, His life was a cost. We stood neath the dead we could never afford. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord, 
and the dead rose from their tombs and the angels stood in awe for the souls of all who come to the Father of his soul and the church of Christ was born then the spirit in the flame now this gospel truth of old shall not deal shall not fail by his blood and in his name in his freedom I am free for the love of Jesus Christ who has resurrected me Thank you so much for those words, the truths that we just expressed and declared. God, I know this has been a very difficult time for many of us in our body and in our nation. And despite all the circumstances of life, the struggles and sickness and things that we bring in this morning with relationship issues, things at work, school, amongst our marriages and families, God, God, we thank you for those things we just declared, that you are worthy of praise God, that you are king, that you are in control, that you are sovereign, you are trustworthy, you are faithful, you are good. And God, we just thank you that we can declare that this morning, that we can come together in unity as your body, as your family, Lord, in unity, declaring that you are our king, that you are worthy of praise. And Lord, we do come this morning desperate and needy for you. God, you were the source of life, you're the source of hope. You're the only one we can look to in these uncertain times, knowing that you're trustworthy and faithful. And Lord, we do this morning just lift up so many in our body, those connected to Gateway and families, so much sickness spreading through, Lord, some COVID and some other issues, God. And we declare as we did this morning, God, you are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. That is who you are. And God, we entrust these individuals to you and pray for healing, pray that your power would touch them, that you would restore them, that you would protect them, that you would raise them up, God, to health. All those here in my voice, those at home, those that are struggling now, those in our body, those connected to us, family and friends, God, we pray for just a supernatural touch of your power and your spirit to bring healing to those in our body. 
And Lord, in the same vein, we just ask you to bless and give wisdom and guidance and discernment to our president and our government leaders during this time. So much is going on between COVID and Afghanistan and so many issues, God, that these men and women need your wisdom. They need your guidance. They need your insight. And God, I pray that each one would have eyes to see and ears to hear, that you would bring conviction, that you would bring them the wisdom, that they would listen and heed your words, that they would look to you, God, for guidance, for wisdom, for choices, Lord, to be led by you during this difficult time. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to pray for our fellow extended family throughout Montgomery. And we lift up Pastor Gary Blair and those at Ridgecrest Baptist Church right up the road here on Vaughn Road. We thank you, Lord, for their ministry. We thank you for their um, congregation. We thank you for the impact that they're having in their community through Awana and reaching uh, the Hispanic community in different places in our city. We pray for health and strength for Pastor Gary and just for those in their congregation, God. You continue to give them wisdom and guidance and strategy and vision, Lord, to bring the gospel to their community. And we just thank you for them. Lord, we again thank you for the opportunity to have New Life in Christ Church, the Hispanic congregation that meets here after us. Um, They've been on our campus, Lord, for 10 years now. We're so grateful that they are still able to uh, be on this campus and minister. Lord, we thank you, thank you, thank you that they finally have found their new pastor, that you have opened the doors for them to have, to be in unity and peace uh, with the vote they took last week, um, that this brother and his family will be coming up from Miami. We ask you, God, to help them in the transition. We pray for wisdom for the leadership team as he comes in and as they uh, strategize and have fresh vision uh, for the ministry that they're going to do in this Hispanic community in Montgomery. God, continue to provide for them, draw people to their fellowship as they bring the gospel uh, to the Hispanic community. We thank you so much for them. And Lord, we do thank you for the opportunity to pray for other nations, for our brothers and sisters in Christ that are in different places in the world. And this morning, Lord, we just lift up the country of Uganda as we found out this week that they have been able, uh, they have to go back into another lockdown because of COVID. Uh, Schools and churches, many businesses, Lord, and we just pray that the body of Christ, your church, Lord, would rise up, uh, that they would be vessels of hope, that they would minister to those in need, that you would give the leaders in the church in Uganda, God, wisdom and strategy and vision on how to do things in the homes or how to reach people beyond this lockdown so that the gospel would go forth, Lord. As as we have sung this morning, God, you're our only hope. You're our king, and we want those in uh, Uganda, Lord, to hear the gospel, to be convicted of their sin, to come to saving faith. And we just pray for those brothers and sisters in Christ there that are going to take the message. Lord, we thank you for your provision. You're a good God. We thank you for all that you've blessed us with. We ask you to bless the offering this morning. Uh, For those that have given here or online, continue to uh, bless that, Lord, for the sake of your kingdom and as we use those resources uh, to take the gospel. And, Lord, we thank you for our brother Seth, one of our elders. Um, Just two days ago, got the call from Gary to to step up since there's been some sickness in the Smith home. We thank you, Lord, for Seth's faithfulness to step up and to bring your word this morning. We pray your strength and peace upon him. Fill him afresh with your spirit as he brings a timely message to us this morning. Just fill him afresh, Lord. And again, God, we love you. We praise you. You are worthy, God. You are majestic. And we just want to bask in your glory this morning. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Continue to move upon us as you see fit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Good morning, Gateway. Hope everybody's doing well. Yeah, like CJ prayed, I'm glad to be here this morning. I don't um, like the circumstances under which I am here with all the sickness going around and everything, and that's no exception to the Smith household, and we obviously pray with them. But um, when, when Grady texted the elders to see if anybody would preach, I immediately was reminded of a sermon I gave five years ago almost to the day. It was entitled, Do Not Be Anxious. Um, and with all that's going on, the elders thought that it would be a good time to revisit that topic. And so I'm retitling the sermon today, No, I Was Serious, Do Not Be Anxious, right? So, so it's, it's a sermon that I've updated, I've, I've kind of reworked a little bit, but it's basically the same one that we had five years ago. And that's the thing about anxiety, isn't it? Anxiety seems, if you're someone who struggles with anxiety, it's something that comes back over and over and over again, right? Those anxious thoughts, we put them off. And then they come back. And we put them off and they come back. And anxiety can be an exhausting thing as you go through that. It can be a constant present in our lives. Um, it's a very deceitful, paralyzing, and destructive sin. I hate it. It's oppressive. It's exhausting. Um, and it consumes the mind and it feels like there's no way out. Megan and I have struggled with anxiety in our own ways and different ways over the course of our lives. And so this morning, um, it, it's just important that we remember that we continually preach the truth of God to ourselves and to one another in this fight against anxiety. And today, I hope to shine some light from the Word of God into this area and to remind you of the safe harbor that is Jesus Christ. He has defeated anxiety. So we're going to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture, Philippians 4, 6-7. And I want us to gain a simple understanding of what anxiety is, how we stand against it, and the wonderful peace that is found in Jesus Christ. And remember, as we get ready to read these verses in Philippians, um, th these words were written by Paul while he was in prison and while he was in great physical need. Paul struggled with anxiety. We see this in Acts, Acts 18 when Jesus himself had to show up to Paul Right? And remind him and tell him not to be afraid to continue to preach the word of God. Paul understood anxiety, and these words we're getting ready to read are from a man who dealt with anxiety. This is his wisdom in battling anxiety. All right? So if you would, please stand with me as we read Philippians 4 6 to 7. We stand just in the honor of the word of God. We're so grateful for it. So Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Lord, we just thank you for the, for the gift of your word. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand this promise today, this command today, that we would understand the peace that comes from you, Lord. I just pray you'd help us to, to, um, to just be changed by your word today, Lord. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Thanks. You may be seated. So what I want us to see from this passage today, that, that as is so often the case, we show up with sin, right, with God. We show up with anxiety. We show up with sin. He meets us with his grace. He's going to take us to a place of prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. And then he gives us peace. And it's such a beautiful picture of the gospel in general. All right, so, so the first thing I want us to look at is what is anxiety? And I don't pretend to have a complete, total definition of anxiety today. This is a simple definition, but we're going to work with that today. So it, it's defined generally as, as a painful or apprehensive une uneasiness of mind, usually over an impending or anticipated ill. It's an abnormal and overwhelming sense of apprehension and fear, often marked by physiological signs 
such as sweating, tension, and increased pulse. So simply and very generally, anxiety is fear or nervousness about what is going to happen or about what might happen. Okay, and if we think about that, it's about what might happen, what's going to happen, what might happen. So you kind of have this sense of impending doom and anticipated doom, right? And we've all experienced anxiety over something that we know is coming, whether it be a difficult conversation that you know needs to happen, a deadline at work that is fast approaching, the dentist office, right? We have some impending doom there. Uh, A test we didn't study for, a treatment plan for the cancer you've been diagnosed with. There is something that is going to happen and we get anxious about it, and we fear it, right? But there's also this sense of anticipated doom. We also experience anxiety over things that might happen. A lot of times we fear the things that we imagine could happen far more than we fear what's actually happening in life. Our imaginations are very good at convincing us that a terrible thing that has a very small percentage of actually happening is 100% going to happen. My grandmother, God rest her soul, uh, was the queen of imagining horrible ills that would befall her grandchildren. All right? She was absolutely convinced every time, I, every time I drove to and from high school that I was going to die in a fiery car crash. Now, my brothers and I, youngest of four boys, we didn't do much to soothe her anxiety between the horse breaking and racing, bull riding, farm work, all that type of thing. We gave her plenty of, of things to, to imagine ways we might die. But many of you can relate to grandma, right? There's, there's many of you that have very active imaginations, and, and we imagine horrible things that might happen. Perhaps you're worried about might, what might happen with COVID, what might happen with the economy, what might happen to your family members. We experience anxiety over things we anticipate, even though those things may never come to fruition. Our imaginations can go crazy coming up with things to worry about. And we can even begin to believe that feeling anxious is justified and necessary in certain situations. For instance, what good parent wouldn't feel anxious if their child were late for curfew or if their child were sick? Many of you work in the medical field. Uh, You literally have people's lives in your hands. I think it'd be very easy to excuse anxiety given the gravity of some of the things you work on. In fact, it feels at times like we're not doing our jobs well, we're not parenting well, if we are not anxious. Have any of you felt that way before? And if we live in this state of anxiety long enough, if we give ourselves over to the sin of anxiety long enough, pretty soon we don't even need a trigger to feel anxious. We'll notice that we're just anxious all the time. We begin to believe that there is no choice, that anxiety is just an inevitable part of life with no way out. We may even begin to believe that being anxious is just who we are that we have an anxious personality and there's nothing that can or should be done about it. We accept a life of constant anxiety. And the effect of that is anxiety ends up focusing us only on what's happening, going to happen, or might happen to ourselves. Anxiety places us at the center of the universe. We become a victim. All All of our energy is spent on fear. We become emotionally drained. Now we're tired all the time. Uh, We're too tired to work the best of our ability on the things that we actually have control and authority over. Our relationship with God suffers. Our relationship with our spouses suffers. Our relationship with our friends suffer. We become isolated within our own anxiety. Maybe you've thought, no one understands my struggle. No one understands my battle. My problems are so much bigger than anyone else's. The enemy uses this to isolate us. And so what's the root of this? What's really going on here? Where are these anxious feelings coming from? Why do we experience this anxiety? Well, Jesus talked about anxiety in relation to our needs. 
In Matthew 6, verses 31 and 32, um, Jesus said, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And notice that it's not the need itself that the cause of anxiety. Right? Jesus recognizes that we have needs. In fact, God created us this way. He created us to need Him. He created us to be in relationships. So not only do we have food, need of food, drink, shelter, we have need of God Himself. Matthew 4.4, 4, Jesus quoting Deuteronomy stated, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So our needs in and of themselves are not the cause of anxiety. Being in need does not justify anxiety. Being in need is actually an intentional and wonderful thing. However, even though our needs are not the actual cause of anxiety, the anxiety we experience is typically linked to a need we have. It seems that fear seizes on our needs. Anxiety comes in when we worry about how, when, or in what measure our needs will be met. And of course, it's understandable that we're anxious over our, over our unmet, unmet needs. It's kind of hard to say. But although we do not do so consciously, our anxiety comes from doubting the goodness of our Father. Remember, God has promised to provide. Philippians 4.19, Paul wrote, And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Jesus Christ. So when we fear, when we have anxiety, we're really doubting this promise of God. Oswald Chambers says that this doubt is a species of unconscious blasphemy against God. Our anxiety is evidence that we do not trust God to care for us or that we do not trust Him to, to sustain us. It's blasphemy because our anxiety typically comes from a place of despising our needs. It comes from despising our limited scope of authority. We are tempted to believe that if we just had a little more control, a little more authority, then we could work everything out for our good. This is a manner by which we contend with God. It's a way that we indirectly doubt His goodness. He's the only one with all authority, and He's promised to wield that power and authority for our good. But if we're honest, we'd feel a little bit better if we were the ones with that authority. This is the same for our desires and wants. In addition to our needs, we have wants. We desire things that aren't necessary for our survival, but that we would enjoy. Having desires isn't a bad thing. I believe God created us with desires in our hearts. However, just like our needs, anxiety can seize an unfulfilled desire. When a, want or, when a want or desire goes unmet, we doubt that God really cares about our hearts. We doubt that He genuinely wants good things for us. We doubt God's goodness when He doesn't satisfy our desires in the manner and time frame that we want. This doubt leads to anxiety. It leads us to quit trusting in Him and start working to make things happen for ourselves. We doubt God's promise in Psalm 37.4 that as you delight in Him, He will give you the desires of your heart. He'll actually align the desires of your heart to be in conformity with His, and then He'll grant you those desires. So the root of anxiety is that we do not trust God with our needs and desires. We don't see Him performing according to our standards, and so we take our trust from Him and we put it in ourselves and in the things of this world. We doubt His strength and power over all things, and so we fear that His will is going to be thwarted. If we're honest, we trust ourselves, our plans, our strengths, 
our perceived ability to control things more than God. We think of ourselves as more efficient than God, and we ask Him to help us to accomplish our plans rather than trusting in His plan. This is evidenced by the fact that our anxiety is typically greatest when we feel like we have lost all control over the people and things around us. And in the midst of this, Paul tells us, do not be anxious about anything. Don't have any apprehension or or uneasiness about what is going to happen to you or about what might happen to you. This seems an impossible and, frankly, an unkind command. But I think we've really got to understand what Paul's getting at, right? How do we overcome anxiety? How do we experience victory over anxiety? And the answer Paul gives is prayer. Paul doesn't just command you to stop being anxious. Has anyone ever told you that? I'll stop being anxious. That just leads to more anxiety, right? Paul says that instead of being anxious, we must draw near to God in prayer. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So Paul is inviting us to exchange our anxiety for communion with God. Instead of being anxious about our needs and desires, we are to bring them to God. We're to pray. And more specifically, we're to supplicate. So let's kind of look at that. Prayer and supplication. Prayer is the general. Paul is saying to enter into communion with God. This is more than just bowing your head, rattling off your list of needs to God, and then going on with your day. That will not solve your anxiety. That will not deal with your anxiety. It's an invitation to come and to sit at His feet. Paul tells us in verse 5 that the Lord is near. Enter into His presence. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And of course, this is only possible through Jesus Christ. We enter the presence of God solely by the sacrifice of Jesus. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So in other words, Paul is saying that he's found no other lasting peace in this world apart from God. Nothing else will ultimately satisfy. The things of this world will always disappoint. You will not find peace from anxiety outside of the presence of God. This is what Paul's driving at when he calls us to pray. Come in to the presence of God by faith in Jesus Christ. And then, and then specifically, Paul uh, tells us to, to supplicate, to engage in supplication. This word means that you have a need and that you bring that need to God. With emotion, you beg Him for help. That's what supplication is. You go to Him believing that He is the only one that can do anything about your, about your situation. So, so Paul is telling us to enter into the presence of God, make your needs known to Him, and plead with our only hope for help. He created you with needs. This is a good thing. Bring those needs to the only one who can satisfy. Come hungry and thirsty into the presence of God. This is a wonderful thing. We see needy, desperate people coming to God all throughout Scripture. Don't despise your neediness. You were created with need. 
Don't allow anxiety to seize on your needs. Bring these needs to your Father. An example of supplication that Jesus gave is recorded in Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. Listen to how Jesus tells us to pray. And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. So are you praying this way? Have you lost heart in your praying? I know I have at times. Let's repent from our independence, rejoice in our neediness, and plead with our good Father for help. What do you need to bring to Him today? What do you need to recognize in His presence today? And Paul also tells us to bring our needs to God with thanksgiving. He doesn't say to wait and see if God fulfills your needs in the manner you're hoping. Paul says to praise God right now. If you're still in need, praise Him. If you're uncertain how He's going to come through, praise Him. If you're afraid He's going to answer your prayer in a way you don't like, praise Him. Praise Him because He is God. Praise Him because He has saved you. Praise Him because you can enter into the presence of the Creator of the universe and ask for help. Praise Him because He even heard your prayer. Praise Him. He's worthy. He is God. Praise Him. Paul says in Philippians 4.4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice in your suffering. Rejoice in your pain. Rejoice in your hardship. Rejoice in the waiting. Rejoice in the Lord and praise Him. And then that leads us to peace. After you've drawn near to God, brought your supplications, and praised Him, the result of that is peace. Philippians 4.7 And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The word used by Paul that we translate generally peace, is, I love this definition, it's a peace that's solely for Christians, for those who are in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's defined as the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God, and content with its earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. Listen to that definition again. This is the peace that he's promising us. It's the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ and so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. This is why it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. This peace is, dependent, is not dependent upon God answering your prayers in the manner which you would like your prayers to be answered. It's not a peace that's dependent upon a change in worldly circumstances. It's not a peace based on a promise that God, uh, from God that we will not have to face a terrible situation. It's not a peace based on a promise that God says things will never go wrong. It's a peace rooted in Jesus Christ. It's resting in your relationship with God and surrendering all of your needs and desires to God. It's recognizing that you have needs that you can't fulfill and being at peace with however God chooses to fulfill those needs and desires. It's being at peace that God will be glorified above all else 
even if that means that we must go through difficult times and our needs and wants aren't met in the manner we wish they would be. It's a peace that comes not from changed worldly circumstances, but from belonging to the Father. The peace is Jesus Christ Himself. Paul described it this way in Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13. He says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. So as we live at peace in God and not in our circumstances, this proclaims the gospel to the world. The world doesn't need to see more Christians blessed with prosperity or getting their own way. The world needs to see Christians who, as it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 8-12, are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we, live, for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. The world needs to see Christians aching for eternity with Jesus Christ, longing for our heavenly home, willingly surrendering our lives and rights so that others may know the amazing blessings found only in Jesus Christ. Are you, are you perplexed by much of what's going on in the world right now? Anxiety will drive you to despair. Resting in the death of Jesus Christ will cause you to be a person full of hope and peace. So as we experience the peace of God, Paul tells us in Philippians 4-7 that this peace will actively guard our hearts. When we're truly resting in the peace of God, we will believe, Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Peace means being assured to your very core that He will care for you. This faith, uh, this, faith this, this peace, it gives you the freedom to release your needs and desires to Him. The peace will guard your heart and mind. And the word uh, guard used by Paul, it means to protect by military guard, to prevent a hostile invasion. So not only does peace come, but it actively guards against other anxious thoughts coming in the future. It's not a moment of relief in the midst of un unending anxiety. It is the end of anxiety. This is a peace that comes from the Prince of Peace who then actively defends our hearts against other hostile invasions. And believe me, attacks from the enemy are coming. The enemy uses anxiety to imprison and neutralize us. It's one of his favorite tools. In C.S. Lewis's work, The Screwtape Letters, the demon Screwtape is writing to his underling Wormwood, teaching him how to most effectively keep the human to whom he's been assigned from serving God. Listen to what Screwtape writes. He says, We want him to be in the maximum uncertainty so that his mind will be filled with contradictory pictures of the future, every one of which arouses hope or fear. There is nothing like suspense and anxiety for barricading a human's mind against God. God wants men to be concerned with what they do. Our business is to keep them thinking about what will happen to them. Anxiety will keep you self-centered and afraid. It will cause you to live a cautious and fearful life. 
It will keep you from taking risks for the gospel. It will keep you from being generous and compassionate. It will keep you from opening your home and your life to others. Anxiety will drive you to avoid neediness so that you don't have to rely on God and others. Anxiety will isolate you and it will make you weak. You will be a prime target for the enemy. 1 Peter 5, 6-8 through 8 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a, a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We see in 1 Peter 5 here that Peter warns us about the enemy's plan to destroy us within the context of being anxious. Peter recognizes that being anxious is the opposite of resting in God. The enemy is prowling around looking for someone isolated from God through anxiety. Resist it. Don't give the enemy that foothold. Don't give him that opening. And I want you to know that it will be a battle to remain at peace. The first step in this battle, though, this is so key that you guys understand, that we all understand, it's to simply recognize that you are God's child. If you have anxious thoughts, you are not condemned. God is not standing far away from you, disappointed in you, waiting for you to get your act together. He is drawn to you even in your sin. His heart is inclined towards sinners. Jesus came to save the sick. He came for the lost. So if you're one having anxious thoughts this morning, know that you are loved by God. We fight from a place of belonging and acceptance in Christ. Know that you are forgiven in Jesus Christ. Know that there is no condemnation. And also know that we will be tempted over and over again to anxiety. We must be conscious of the thoughts we allow in our minds. Don't dwell on anxious thoughts. We must be careful about letting our minds wander to worst-case scenarios. We must fix our minds on God and His promises. By the grace of God, we have the ability to control what our minds dwell on. Listen to Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. At work, in order to accomplish this, Megan, my wife, has sticky notes all around her computer monitor. It's really fun. If you come visit her at work sometime, she has sticky notes all around her computer monitor that that contain promises from the Word of God about her identity and about God and who He is. And when that anxiety comes, she reads those promises of God. She fixes her her mind on the promises of God. It's an active exchange of turning those anxious thoughts over to the Lord, grabbing hold of the truth of God and letting those promises of God instill in her a confidence in Him. Isaiah 26.3 says, You keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. So let the promises of God produce in you an unshakable trust. Alright, so I kind of want us to look at a summary here and some practical tips Um, as we get ready to move into communion here in a minute. But but first, are you at peace with God? Right? You were created to be in relationship with God, but your sins have separated you from Him. 
You cannot have ultimate peace until you are reconciled to God. Have you received the forgiveness of your sins in Jesus Christ? Do you love Him and are you seeking after Him with your whole heart? Take care of this today. If you have questions about that, if you have any doubts about that, please come talk to me after the service today. Be reconciled to God. He offers relationship with you today. Second, I want you to identify the need or desire that anxiety has seized upon. If you're experiencing anxiety right now, I want you to take some time prayerfully and self-reflection to think about what are those needs or desires that anxiety has seized upon in my life. Ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart. And I recommend taking some time to journal. Get with the Lord. Pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to search and write down your thoughts and prayers. The Lord has revealed those anxious thoughts to me many times through that practice. And after you've done some prayerful self-reflection, get with a brother or sister in Christ and confess your anxious thoughts. Get your fears and doubts into the light with a faithful friend or one of the elders. And third, submit your needs and desires to God. Trust Him. Don't waste any more time arrested by anxiety. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 27, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? That's one of the great lies of anxiety. It makes us feel like we're doing something productive to control a thing that we actually have no control over at all. But, but, but God calls us to rest in Him. Not in more power, more control, more authority. Go to your heavenly Father. Rest in the peace that He provides. Rest in Him. Stop uselessly striving through anxiety. He will provide your needs. He will prov- provide the desires of your heart. He will bring about His will in His time for His glory. We can rest in Him. And so in conclusions, Philippians 1, uh, Philippians 1 6 says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God will bring you to completion. As we better see the rule and reign of Christ over all things, we will grow more and more in the freedom from anxiety that is available only in the work of Jesus Christ. That's the battle. It's fixing our minds on what Jesus Christ has done and believing it with all of our hearts. And it is a battle. It's a battle that's been won, but it's one that we must intentionally fight every day. And as we stand on Jesus' completed work, as we stand on His promises, stand by faith and prayer, we will advance against the sin of anxiety. And so now we're going to have a chance to take communion. Praise Ben, you guys can come on up um, if you want to. And this morning through communion, we have the opportunity to remember and celebrate the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which has given us victory over all sins, including anxiety. Jesus established communion in Luke chapter 6, verses 22 I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 22, verses 19 through 20, Jesus said, And Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So in communion, we follow Jesus' command to remember his sacrifice, to remember the new covenant bought by his blood. The elements, which CJ said they're in front of you under your chair there. There's some gluten-free elements up here on the, at the baptismal if you need that. But the elements, um, they consist of bread, which represents the body of Christ that was broken for us, and juice, which represents the blood of Christ that was shed for us. 
So in taking communion, it's a time for us to worship and praise God for his incredible sacrifice, which is our only hope in life and death. It's a time to confess praise and adoration to God. It's a, t- it's a time to delight in your acceptance into the kingdom of God. It's a time to sincerely and genuinely thank God for making you his child and to draw near to him. It's also a time to ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and make known to us any offensive way. It's a time to ask the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin and grant us the wonderful gift of repentance. It's a time to confess that we have been unfaithful to God and placed our hope in things other than Him. So I'm going to pray for you in a moment and then you can take communion whenever you feel ready. But before you take the elements this morning, take a moment to pray and commune with the Father. This is such a wonderful privilege. Don't rush through it. If you've been anxious lately, confess that to the Lord. Confess your anxious thoughts. Confess any doubt of His goodness or power. Confess your desire for control. Confess that you have trusted yourself and your own power more than Him. And then take the elements. And as you do, receive the peace of Jesus Christ. As you eat the bread and drink of the juice, remember that you are God's child. That you are free of sin and death. That He loves you. That He is working all things together for your good that he is bringing you to completion. And then let's worship. We're going to sing one last song after we've had a chance to take communion. CJ's going to come up and pray once we're done taking communion. And then we're going to praise God together in this one last song. So let's enjoy this time of communion. Um, Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for this day. I just thank you uh, for the promises of your word that we don't have to be anxious. We thank you for the promise of your word that, that you just meet us in our sin that you meet us in our anxiety, you meet us in our anxious thoughts, you invite us into your presence by the work of your Son, Jesus Christ. And as we pray, as we rest in you, as we plead with you, as we make known to you our needs, as we rejoice in you, as we give you thanksgiving, that you exchange all of our mess with your peace, that you draw us near to yourself. And Lord, I just pray this morning that for those of us here who are battling with anxiety, We would receive your forgiveness. We would receive your presence. We we would just rest in you, Lord. We just thank you so much for your sacrifice. Thank you for the time that we get to come together and just worship you through communion, Lord. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name.
singing Christ alone. Our hope is found in Christ alone. If you're still in prayer, still taking communion, continue to do that. But if you're done, if you'd stand and join us as we sing. In Christ alone, my hope is found. And he is my light, my strength, my soul. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought in storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still. When striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone who took on flesh fullness of God in helpless pain this gift of love in righteousness scored by the ones he came to save till on that cross as Jesus died the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin on Him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I live. the ground his body lay the light of the world by darkness slain they bursting forth in glorious day and up from the grave he rose again and as he stands in victory since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am His, and He is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. This is the power of Christ in me From life's first cry to final prayer Jesus commands my destiny No power of hell, no scheme of man Can ever pluck me from his head 
returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ I'll say no power of hell no scheme of man can never pluck me from his head till he returns or calls me home the power of Christ I'll stand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ I'll stand uh, yes he deserves a clap offering for that Lord we praise you and thank you you are worthy of our praise God thank you for that assurance of what we just declared the encouragement Seth just brought us, God, in Christ alone, our all in all, our strength, our source, our rock, our might. And God, with what we just declared, it's why we can leave here today encouraged and convicted and excited, Lord, that we can face our anxiety and our sin and lay it at your feet and repent of it and come before you, Lord, and say, you are our peace. You are our rest. You are our steadfastness because of what we just sang and declared, God, in Christ alone, you are a rock, the one that we can fall upon, the one we can trust who is good and faithful and just and righteous. Lord, thank you for the encouraging word today that we received. Despite all that's going on in the world, Lord, we can trust you. You are faithful. We can rest in you. You are our peace. And Lord, as we leave these doors today, maybe we be encouraged to know that we can walk out these doors as your ambassadors, to be salt, to be light, to be peacemakers, to be ones who rest in you. And whatever sphere of influence you have us in, God, that we can represent you well, that we can bring your peace and rest and contentment into the situations we're in to bring you honor and glory. And so that the gospel will go forth and we can make much of Jesus, that he would be evident in our lives. We love you and praise you, God. Thank you for who you are. We rejoice in you today in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed, saints. Amen.